Stuff Podcasts. Just a heads up, this episode has a little bit of swearing in it. This episode of What's Wrong With You is sponsored by Every Human, an online platform selling life-changing adaptive clothing, footwear and lifestyle products. It's the home of the ultimate shopping experience for people with disabilities. Shop the range at everyhuman.com.au. NZ677 to Dunedin, gate lounge number 32. Give me your boarding oh, pass. Yes, I'm, that's your one. Yeah. I'm the most useless one out of the group. So. <laughs> Oh, because you knew the aisle chair, right? You're the only one that... No, I'm like, the you one that needs the aisle wheelchair. I'm not for the gear. This is me, making sure my wheelchair gets to the other end of the flight in one piece. I'm just, like, scared they're going to lose it. Yeah, my, my wheelchair cushion is velcroed on pretty tight. It's these side, the mud guards, which uh, slip yeah. out of my chair. I've lost mine. Not the I'm on a mission, flying to Dunedin. With our producer, Grace, who had some ideas about what would happen if the plane crashed... If there was an emergency, I think I would be the most likely to die. And Rebecca, who doesn't like sitting in an aisle seat. One person who rolled, like, 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 why can't you move? Like, get up. No. Like, um. You're listening to What's Wrong With You, a podcast series about disability and about living in a world that's not designed for you. In this series, we cover all sorts. Dating while disabled, disability and religion, what it's like to raise a kid when you're in a wheelchair. We and our guests talk about fashion, sex, media representation and body image. And we also try to answer some of the big mysteries facing people living with disabilities, such as why are random strangers so obsessed with our sex lives? I'm Olivia Shivers. I'm a digital producer at Stuff. And I'm Rebecca Dubber. I'm a Paralympian and communications consultant. And we both use wheelchairs to navigate the world. And when we say navigate, yeah, we do mean the complexities of getting around. Like going to the supermarket, but the thing you want is on the top shelf. And taps you can't reach. And doors which open the wrong way. And doorways that are just way too narrow. But just because the world's badly designed doesn't mean we don't want to see more of it. So we wanted to make this episode all about travel. Both Bex and I have travelled quite a bit both in New Zealand and abroad. But as soon as we started planning this episode, we knew who we needed to hear from. And that's Umi Asaka, who's been to 20 countries as a wheelchair user. The thing is though, we live in Auckland and Umi lives in Dunedin. And sure, we could have got her on the phone or done a Zoom call, but then we thought, if you're doing a podcast episode about what it's like to travel with a disability, then why not, you know, actually go and do some travel with a disability and take a microphone or two. I'm going to edit this out, right, because a lot of this is just like yarn. No, we're going to use some of it. But not me yarning, looking stupid. Um, I'm just recording everything, like, just in case. So we decided to go to Dunedin and interview Umi face to face. And I didn't want to do the interview by myself, so obviously, Bex, you had to come. And we brought along our producer and friend, Grace Stratton, who also uses a wheelchair to keep an eye on us. And then we thought that we might as well take up an entire row of seats, so we bought our friend Ella Martin, who helpfully also has fully functioning legs. It was going to be a big adventure. Perhaps not quite as big as the time my wheelchair was nearly sent on a plane to Canada, and I was not going to Canada. And there wouldn't be the language barrier I faced the time I got stuck on a Russian cruise ship. 
But still, we'd have to navigate airport trolleys, planes, rental cars, and really heavy hotel doors. It would kind of be a real-world test of just how accessible New Zealand really is to travellers with disabilities. And we'd get to learn a bit more about Otago culture. Oh that man got, like, Carlsberg at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Plus, I've always really wanted to see the only castle in New Zealand, which is in Dunedin. So a plan was hatched. Load up Air New Zealand Flight 677 with three wheelchairs, four Aucklanders and five bags of luggage. Fly to Dunedin, track down Umi, record an interview, check out the castle and get back to Auckland that same weekend without losing any wheelchairs, crashing any cars, trashing any hotel rooms or ruining any friendships. Anyway, let's start at the very beginning when we all arrive separately at Auckland Domestic Airport. Good afternoon. How are you? Don't mind my fluffy microphone. It's fine. I was expecting you. <laughs> okay, come on. Oh, great. So that means you're going to be super accessible and give us no issues. I just need to um, un ask some security questions. Yeah, with your wheelchairs, you'll be taking your own wheelchairs to the gate, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, just confirming with your wheelchairs, do you know how much they weigh? Oh, we sent this to the travel agent. It's like no more than 12 kgs okay. each. And just checking that they've got aisle wheelchairs. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I will need one. Yes, yeah. perfect. All done. You girls going to be okay from here? Thank you. Okay, cool. Have you, so have you been to Dunedin? No, I've never been to Dunedin. I've never been to the South Island mm. since I was one. Grace? No. Neither? Okay, so we're all Dunedin virgins. People in wheelchairs are first on the plane and last off. It just gives us a bit of extra time to get onto the plane and for the crew to put our wheelchairs in the hold with the rest of the luggage. So as we're waiting at the gate to get on the plane, a crew member tells us we're all seated in aisle seats on different rows. Now, it might sound like it's easier for us in aisle seats because we don't need to shuffle along the other seats, but sometimes it just gets really awkward. Yeah, there's like an unwritten rule if you're in the aisle seat to stand up and let the window seat passenger in. But because all three of us don't look disabled when we're not in our wheelchairs and we can't stand up easily, it's really awkward and uncomfortable to explain that to someone. So we asked to have a quiet word okay, and... So I can put you all in one row. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all like to welcome you aboard New Zealand's flight 677 through to Dunedin. So our flight went pretty well. Had some snacks, I downloaded some Netflix episodes to watch. And Grace was there reading her massive law book. No wonder her bag was so heavy. Me, I had a nap. But yeah, pretty uneventful. And then we landed in Dunedin. No, I took that first thing this morning. I'm waiting for your lovely wheelchairs to be brought up. <coughs> yeah, um, it won't be too much longer. No, that's all, all good. Okay, who's oh. chairs first? Go, go, go Grace. Uh, oh, that's me. That's Excuse me, um, where do we go to that rental car? Yep, so there, place? out the door, turn left. Okay. Right what are you all doing down here? We're recording a podcast about travelling with a disability. Well, that's yeah. interesting. That's quite challenging. 
Yeah. Because my mum lost a couple of limbs late in life. Yeah. And she was in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a hip complex, Yes. So small things like a rail at the toilet. Car park. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you don't have a disability. It's easy. Anyway. Yes, exactly. Alrighty, see you guys. Good night. So, we say goodbye to Olivia's new friends at the car rental place and go outside to find our rental vehicle. By this stage, it's around 7.30pm, it's dark and it's cold. I've never travelled with two other wheelchair users before, so I didn't know what kind of vehicle would actually fit us all in. The wheelchairs, luggage and humans. So I just booked the biggest one on the car rental website and... Oh my gosh, it's huge. Are you guys going to get into it okay? Yeah. Okay. I might need some help. But that's like a handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you Google Map, Grace? Are you gonna Google Map it? I'll be the navigator. Oh, do it. Do it. You don't sound very enthused. Do you want me to Google Map it? I'm not the other I can use Google Maps. Starting route to Abdani Dean. Abdani Dean. Airport Drive. Then go right onto Airport Road. Turn what? We're in Dunny Dean. Dunny Dean. Okay. Now, guys, we were just picking up the rental car before, and a guy came over to talk to you. What did he say? He told us that next time we book a rental car, that we should let them know that we're disabled so that they can bring the car closer to where you pick it up. Um, and we had to tell him that we actually did let the rental <laughs> company know that we were disabled and that we were coming to pick the car up because when Olivia, when Olivia went to make that booking, um, they asked if we wanted a sedan with a trailer. Yeah. So we're in the car on the way to the hotel and of course, Grace doesn't miss the opportunity to identify the intersectionality in the world around us. Like the, what that exemplifies is the intersection between like feminist issues and disability because yeah. men already feel the need to verbalize their knowledge to women even though women clearly don't want it most of the time yeah but that's even more intense yeah, when yeah. you're a, a woman with a disability because your knowledge is even less um present in their minds yeah that's what that's about the destination is on your ride at dunny dean Oh, oh. <laughs> 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 Any car parks? No, <gasps> not a single one. There's no car parks. Oh, shoot. Go Under that to the man. Just say, hey, we're disabled. Can you get us a car? <laughs> the nice man at the hotel carried our bags to our lovely accessible rooms. But I had a question for him. How many accessible rooms do you have like this? Two. Ah, uh, okay. So this one and right above you. Ah, uh, okay. And how room. many rooms in the entire hotel? Only 28. But yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for your help. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Good night. Take care. Okay, so what makes this accessible? Well, the switches seem to be lower than a regular room, I'd say. This is like eye height. So they do, look at the, the shower chairs, like one of these ones that folds up. I always feel like scared that they're not very sturdy, but. Yeah. Oh, wardrobe, yeah. Oh, I think it can move down. Pull the lever. Oh my goodness. So like the wardrobe has this clothing rack, but you can like reach it in, in a wheelchair. So we made it to Dunedin. 
Or should I say... Danny Dean. No broken or missing wheelchair parts or people. So that was a relief. So the next morning, we get our coffee fix. Um, yes, I'll grab a flat white and a brioche, please. And then we get ready to head to the farmer's market to catch up with Umi. Now when I say get ready, I mean getting into the massive SUV. Before the trip, I organised a very detailed call sheet. Everyone's contact details, I'll plan times and locations. I'd even included the address for Dunedin Hospital because, you know, in case of any emergencies. Yes, you loved your call sheet. But what I did not factor in was the extra time it was going to take to actually pack us all into our monster SUV and for Ella to fold all our wheelchairs. So the times in that call sheet went out the window pretty fast. I think what we're learning here is that if we ever brought away a big group of us, oh we'd God. need multiple cars. Yeah, well, so far it's taken nine minutes for us to all get into the car. Nine, <laughs> nine minutes is not bad. That's yeah. three minutes per person. Yeah, but we're and not... <laughs> we're disabled. Yeah. So I, I will take nine minutes. So we're um, on our way to the farmer's market where we're meeting our friend Umi. Um, so tell us a bit about Umi, Grace. Umi once told me this story about how, like in her house, um, because her mum also had the same disability as her, when her mum would cook meals, she wouldn't cook them, you know, like how you would normally think about a mum cooking. She would do a thing called, vo- called voice cooking. And so what that was in their house was that the mum, her mum, would be saying instructions to the support worker and the support worker would be following those instructions to cook the meal. Um, and that's what cooking was like in Umi's house. Um, and... Yeah, I just think that that's really cool. And I think what it exemplifies about Umi and about all of us really is that independence and being able to travel independently and all those things, it's not so much about doing everything yourself, it's more about being in control of how things are done Mm -hmm. and being able to choose who helps you and how they help you. Yeah. So I just arrived at the farmer's market in the car park and there's like this noise. There is a massive student party happening across the road from us at 10.30 in the morning. <laughs> and they are going hard. There They're is... going hard. We're like, why are these people dressed up? We're like, we've just had our coffee. We're oh, still waking why up. Why has that man got, like, Carlsberg at 10 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> oh, this is so oh. classic Dunedin. Okay. Oh, oh here we Sorry, go. Hi, Umi. Oh, you've got some things already. I do all my shopping here at the market for the week. So yeah. this is tofu and tunip and lots of veggies. I'll show you around. The market was really cool. It sold all sorts of goodies. This place does really nice crepes. We could smell bacon, there were fresh flowers and strawberry jam. Should we try some? I'm going to try some. And there was even a woman who, instead of selling food, was selling poems. How much does a poem cost? So usually people pay uh, about five or ten dollars. So your sign says, I will write you a poem on any topic you choose. So Rebecca, Olivia and I are all friends and we're all recording the podcast and we're all in wheelchairs. So can you write us a poem about wheelchairs? Wheelchairs? Yeah. Sure. Uh... Well, our poet needs a bit of time to figure out the rhymes, so it seems like a pretty good time to take an ad break. 
There's enough to think about when you're traveling as a disabled person. I know for myself, I'm leaving early to check in at the airport so I can make sure I'm not frantically wheeling when I board the plane first. Then there's remembering to bring the right medical equipment and sometimes you worry about whether or not your chair will actually end up on the other side of your flight in one piece. I'll always remember that story Rebecca told me of boarding a flight and her wheelchair nearly ending up in the wrong country. And all of this is on top of remembering your passport. With this list, there is certainly enough to worry about. Every human is a company selling adaptive clothing, footwear and lifestyle products. So on holiday, you can make sure things are set up to work for you. They've got adaptive tote bags that are stylish and practical too. You can chuck it over the back of your wheelchair or on your shoulder to make sure you have everything you need within easy reach during your holiday. If this doesn't seem up your alley, their curated offering of accessible lifestyle products and gadgets mean there's something for everyone. You focus on enjoying your trip and let every human cover your accessible lifestyle, fashion and footwear needs. Shop the range at everyhuman.com.au So, we're back in the Dunedin Farmer's Market and... Oh, what do you think that lady's poem's going to say? I don't know. Hey, do an Adlin poem now. Wheels, look at wheels. Wow, look at all these wheelchairs. Wheels, wheels, wheels. Round and round. (laughs) Society disables us. (laughs) Leave us alone. Bring your own ramp, bring your own chair. We have to do everything ourselves because you, you people do nothing. Okay, here's our poem. So I've named it wheelchairs. So they ask what is wrong. I would rather know what is right. What's the secret behind the brightest smiles on a sunny Saturday edge of autumn? Where have those wheels spun in the world to fool you of kindness and fun and good taste and poetry? They ask what is wrong with you, but I'd rather know what is your ability. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. That is so nice. Here we go. Um, some money. Thank you. That's awesome. So we wrap things up at the market and head to Umi's place to interview her which is the whole point of the trip. At the market, Umi got around in a powered wheelchair, but as we shop at her flat, she's walking. She says it's safer for her to use a chair when she's out and about, because she's fragile and is at risk of breaking bones if she walks too much or falls over. She has a condition called osteogenesis imperfecta and has broken 15 bones in her life, But it's not unusual for people with the condition to have had a hundred breaks or more. She's also quite petite, just 124 centimetres tall. I started the interview by asking her all the countries that she's been to. I'm originally from Japan, so obviously I've been to Japan (laughs) and Korea, Taiwan and Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Poland, Czech, Denmark, Sweden and a bit of Holland. And then U.S., Canada, Cuba, Mexico and Colombia, and New Zealand and Australia. And, like, it's not, it's part of the United States, but I've been to Saipan in Guam. 
We're here. It's our first trip to Dunedin. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, no, Grace, Bex and I. Yeah, that's And Ella. Fun. Before coming, I did some research mm-hmm. about what we could do in Dunedin. Yes. Um, we had some ideas. Mm-hmm. We know that there's Baldwin Street in Dunedin, yes. which is the steepest street in the world. I think the one in Wales is the second steepest now. Okay. So you guys, you claimed it back. So okay, that's the gradient great. is uh, 34.8%. Yeah. That's very steep because when you think of that, um, in comparison, the Ministry of Health, their recommended gradient for a ramp is 8.3%. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, we could have a wheelchair race down Baldwin Street. Anyone up for that? Um, not me. <laughs> yeah, probably not you. You've got fragile bones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we'd all end up with broken bones if we did that at the end. But I've been up the top. You can uh, the drive top? up. You can top? drive up? Okay, yeah. maybe we'll drive up in our massive yeah. SUV. There's Lanark Castle. I'm going oh, to yes. check that out. What's the access like there? Have you visited before? I actually haven't gone inside but I'm sure they have some kind of access. I've been to their tea room, mm-hmm. and the garden is very pretty, yeah, and the yeah. access there is okay. Like, there are some steps, so you might need some other people's hand. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, my experience with travel has kind of been through my swimming yeah. and travelling as a team. So it was almost kind of like quite a sheltered experience because everything had been organized for me. So when you've been traveling, like how, how do you plan that? How do you figure out what access you're going to need? So I'm a terrible planner. (laughs) In hindsight, I should maybe have planned more in all of my trips I've done, but I've never actually planned much. So I would just like the most unplanned trip that I had was when I was 18. I went to Taiwan with my friend mm-hmm. and we did only had um, flight tickets. So we had a flight to get there and return, but we never, we didn't even have any accommodation booked. So we <laughs> booked a backpacker at the airport and then went to the station where the backpacker is supposed to be mm-hmm. there, but it, it wasn't there. And then we were like, what are we going to do? And then we were kind of like lost. And these local people found us. And they were like, what's going on? And we told them what, what's happening. And they helped us find a place to stay. And it was a really nice place. It's like a private hot spa. And it wasn't so expensive Ooh, either. Nice. It was like amazing. And the next morning, we found out that the backpacker was like way up the flight of stairs. So mm. we couldn't like find it because of that. So there has been moments that it's like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But something always works out, so. What do you do if you're by yourself and you mm. need help? I just, like, get people who are walking past my life. <laughs> hey, you, can you just help me? <laughs> and oh. so... <laughs> And, and I'm sure like, when you say it like that, no one could ever say no. <laughs> oh, some people have actually said no to oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. How did they say no to you? Okay. They're like, I'm busy, sorry. Or like, oh. I have a backpack. Back, back. Oh, and I'm okay, like, yeah. I understand. My friend and I, we did like a little camping trip. It was just us two. And uh, we went swimming every day at the beach. Mm. But she would either try to carry me or if we weren't too close to the water, I could like bum shuffle or crawl mm. in. Um, but then once we could once we kind of got in quite deep, it would be a bit harder for me to get out of the water. So we would like look around the beach for hot guys and be like, hmm, who should we ask to help carry Olivia out of the water? Totally. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> I think there are so many different aspects with traveling in the chair. And I was lucky that I had a mom who is in a wheelchair. So I've always seen how to travel with her. And she 
is a disability advocate and she traveled to give talks around Japan or different countries sometimes. So I often went with her. I went to Boston for a conference and came back to New Zealand. I had a very short transit time in San Francisco. But when I get off the plane last, I told the person who was helping me at the airport, like my flight is like in 30 minutes, I have to be there fast. So it's really tight. And can you like run and like take me really fast? And she's like, no, no, you'll be okay. And he didn't just like, he just didn't run or like go fast and like taking his all his time. And then... I, w- I kind of had the feeling that I'm going to miss it because it was international transfer. I had yeah, to go all the yeah, security and stuff. And yeah, to- I totally missed it at oh, the end. No. And it was already like 11 o'clock at night. And then all the airport stuff was like really tired and not so like helpful. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, where, like, can you put me in a hotel? Or like, where am I going to be staying? And they like took me to counter at the, of the one airline but they were like, like no no it's not my responsibility so they had to like shuffle me to the other airline company and they were like no 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 and then I was like what am I gonna do and then but I was like super tired at the point also and I decided to just sleep on one of the bench in the airport and then but Soon after, like, a big other Asian family came. And then they slept around me to kind of, like, make a shield. So I felt Aww. super protected. And then so <laughs> I had a safe night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, airport. Yeah, yeah, airport could be dangerous. So how about some good, some positive travel yeah. experiences? I guess when I went to Colombia, I went on, like, a city tour. Central city, Colombia, is called Bogota. And it's not as accessible as you can imagine. Mm. And they have like lots of stone towers as the main pathway, like Europe. Mm. So like I we constantly yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. So yeah, they're a nightmare. So we were like literally like stuck every five steps But then um, when we were traveling in London and we went to the Tower of London, mm. which is incredibly inaccessible. Mm. And I think I fell out of my wheelchair a couple of times going over the cobblestones there. My mm. gosh, that's so I was with, horrible. I was with um, some members of the cycling team because one of the guys was pushing me. Oh no, like, he must have felt so yeah, bad. <laughs> His face was just like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Oh my gosh. And I was like, it's fine, it's fine. Like, it's not you, but like, yeah. <laughs> so your Columbia story yes, yes. so but there? I think traveling in a chair you kind of like you are measure yourself of how um, where people are at with, in terms of like dealing or like spending time with other disabled people hmm. so I like kind of measuring people's attitudes to myself hmm. and in Colombia they were super good and every time we were stuck like a five step away Somebody would just turn up and like help us, Amazing. and then like they would then they would just help and then go. So like I wouldn't be able to even like say thank you or anything mm. or like have any interaction. But that was like super natural. Mm. Like they would just turn up and then give us a hand. So that was really great. And then we went on this city tour, and that was like lots of stairs and like going through different like alleyways, and like that was super inaccessible. But the guy who was a tour guide, he was like, oh, you can come with us and like we'll figure out a way to gather. So he like asked all the other participants to help carry my chair and stuff. So I really enjoyed that part of like 
just going anyway mm, <laughs> and then yeah. figuring out. When I was studying in Finland on um, doing a semester there, a couple of friends and I, we did a um, cruise tour. Mm. We went to Stockholm, um, Tallinn in Estonia and then St. Petersburg in Russia. And um, our last stop was in, in, in St. Petersburg. Um, and then when we got there, there was like a big storm in the Baltic Sea. So we literally got stuck there. And I was really nervous because you can be there visa free for 72 hours. And like, we did not know how long we were going to be stuck there. Mm. And um, I was like, I was crying. I was so like worried that mm. like we were like we were stuck in Russia and like Putin was gonna get us. Anyway, there was one particular day we were like, okay, we're going off the boat. We're gonna have a look around St. Petersburg, and um, we wanted to go to this Leningrad museum. So we like got out the map. We had no internet. Asking lots of people, and then it started raining. So we all got soaked and then we finally found this museum. The doors were closed. We like knocked. Yeah. But then some lady opened the door and saw us and saw that I was in a wheelchair and said, oh, just come in anyway. So we like dried off and then some other like burly Russian guys come up and we're like, oh, we'll carry you up the stairs to mm. the museum. And here, here, here's some tickets. You guys can have a look. Just let us know and then we'll carry you down again. So we got to have a look around the museum and we had a really nice time. And then the strong, muscly Russian guys carried me down the stairs again. And then we, you know, we got back to the ship. But it was just, yeah, one of those funny experiences how like if we weren't stuck there, mm. we wouldn't have had actually enjoyed that experience. And yeah. even though we were like stressed and worried, it turned out really cool. My fiance's family did a big family trip to Fiji <laughs> for my father-in-law's 60th. And we stayed at this resort called Treasure Island, which is, it's like a, it's about an hour long boat ride off like the main land um, of Nandi. And when you get there, there's no like jetty. So they basically pull the boat as close to the island as they can. And then you like get off onto the sand and like walk up the island to like the main reception. Um, so we were pulling up and I'm just like freaking out being to Mitch being like, how are we going to get off the boat? <laughs> um, and sure enough, like, um, we start loading everything off the boat and I get off and these two like big, like Fijian men just come and grab either arm and literally like carry <laughs> me up the beach and Mitch is just like towing along with my wheelchair. It was quite funny. <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, everyone just kind of got stuck in, like nothing was a problem. And um, we got to our beret and it was an accessible room, but there was like this massive step up onto the patio. Mm. And we were like, oh, okay, this isn't going to work. And the maintenance man walked past and he comes over and he's like, oh, are you guys having an issue? And I just said, oh, this was supposed to be an accessible room, but it's not like very accessible. So no joke, he like goes, wait there, goes away for five minutes, comes back with another maintenance manager who's got a tape measure and they built a ramp. Oh my goodness, instant ramp, that's yeah. what I need. So <laughs> by the time, by the time, yeah, we like went and like had like sat by the pool for an hour, we came back and there was a ramp that had been built and it was great because it meant that I could get into my room and then all my nieces and nephews could play with their toy cars on it for the rest of the trip. Tell us a bit about your mum. She sounds like a pretty amazing woman. Yes, she's pretty staunch. She's the most staunch person mm. I know in the world. Um, so there was not much 
access or system at all when she was born. When she was around 19, we had like really strong disabled people's movement. They were like advocating for access in stations and trains and also advocating for system for disability benefit and also support workers. And, mm. and now they successfully did that. When she had me, she fought even harder, I think. She was like, all right, now that I have daughter with same disability, I have to make sure that this world is more livable for her. Mm. And I got all the things that she kind of fought for. Yeah. And I really took that for granted for a really long time that mm. I thought, oh, like it's normal to be able to go anywhere and like be able to do the things I want to do. But mm. I realized like quite recently that it's not the way for many disabled people often. When I was born, she said, oh, I want to be able to travel with my daughter in two mm. wheelchairs side to side. Oh. And we've done that, so it's just pretty cool. We interviewed Umi on Saturday afternoon and our flights weren't back till Sunday evening, so we had time for a bit of sightseeing. Since it was our first time in Dunedin, I wanted us to do something really iconic and unique to the city. Lots of people recommended Larnark Castle, which is advertised as New Zealand's only castle and it was built in 1871. I checked the website and on its accessibility page it read, the gardens, grounds and ballroom cafe are accessible to all visitors. However, the castle includes several stairways. A wheelchair is available for use in the gardens and grounds. When it said several stairways, I thought, okay, red flag. But then if they're supplying wheelchairs, surely it will have some reasonable access, right? <laughs> Those cobblestones are not fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those aren't cobblestones. Oh, what are they, gravel? Yeah. Those aren't cobblestones. Okay, this is looking a bit more castle-y in here. Mm. Oh, sufficiently spooky. So, our first impressions of the castle? Yeah, not that great. It's pretty from the outside, and I've seen some photos on Instagram. The view from the top is stunning but if only there was a lift to actually get upstairs. Yeah, I mean, I know it was built 150 years ago and they probably weren't thinking of wheelchair access back then, but I've been to the Church of the Saviour on Spilled Blood in Russia, which was built in the 1880s, and they've managed to find ways to make it accessible. I know there are some rules around modifying heritage buildings, but I just don't think that that's a good enough reason anymore, especially in 2021. Anyway, so yeah, we were pretty disappointed with the access, but the visit to the castle was not wasted because we bumped into a very interesting local couple. Where are you from? We're from Auckland. Hey, did you come all the way in wheelchairs? Three of us. Well done, you. Joined Dunedin? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I've had a nice Ron's wife, Julie, has a walking cane. She's totally blind, so I figured... I'd better rope her into the podcast. What's different about travelling as a blind person? People always ask me, how can you sightsee when you can't see? (laughs) And I say, because I can smell, hear, taste and touch. So every day on my way, I write a sensory diary of one thing I smell, hear, taste and touch. And I've done that, you know, for the 54 countries, or just about that many that I've travelled to as a blind person. So that helps me, you know, so I, I see through my other senses. Can I ask, how did you become blind? 
Uh, I got inflammation of the retina, which is the back of the eye, uh, and I was 31 years of age when that happened. So what's been your favourite place to travel? I think Egypt. Yeah. Because it's so different. Mm. And the people are very vivacious. <laughs> Good luck with everything. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. And then we made our way to the airport and said goodbye to Dunedin. Have a good flight, guys. And a good flight home we had. I'm just so relieved we all got there and back in one piece. It was fun, but, yeah, also challenging. We were reminded how much we hate cobblestones and gravel. We came across some very questionable definitions of wheelchair accessibility. And I now have a new level of appreciation for poetry. It's been an adventure. So, next trip, why not international? I've always wanted to drive Route 66. Yeah, do you reckon an open-top Cadillac would have room for three wheelchairs in the back? What about elevator races up the Empire State Building? Or dog sledding in Norway? Next week on What's Wrong With You. Like, he walks up to me, he's like a very intimidating, large-looking guy, and I'm like, oh, I'm dying tonight. He's like, what if pixies are real then? Because I look like a pixie. <laughs> Your shoes are, like, way too expensive for someone who doesn't even walk. And if you want to see some photos of how we actually crammed into our SUV or a room tour at our accessible hotel, visit stuff.co.nz forward slash what's wrong with you. This podcast was made with the support of New Zealand On Air. Thank you to our guest, Umi Asaka, producer Grace Stratton, as well as Ella Martin, Adam Dudding, Carol Hirschfeld and Eugene Bingham. This episode was sponsored by Every Human, an online platform selling life-changing adaptive clothing, footwear and lifestyle products. It's the home of the ultimate shopping experience for people with disabilities. Shop the range at everyhuman.com.au.